We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everybody. A quick uh, side note, as per usual, you know how it goes, then we'll get to our main topic. Um, Today in our gospel, Jesus, and we're going to talk mostly about our gospel today, but one theme that's there that we're not going to touch on, Jesus says, if you love him, you'll keep his words, his commandments, and that he and the Father will, will come and they will dwell with you. In our second reading from Revelation 21, right, the second to last chapter of the Bible, St. John, and it's so beautiful. So I want to point two things out that relate to this. The, the first thing is that in Easter, right, the church gives us all these readings about heaven. And being a Christian is hard. It's hard to live a Christian life in this world. If you're going to do it, your heart has to be set on heaven. You have to have that hope. And the more that your heart rests in heaven, the better life you'll live on earth. So God fills us with this hope, this joy of heaven. But anyway, so in, in Revelation 21 today, St. John sees the city and he measures it. And he tells us that the height and the breadth are the same, are, are the same measurement. But what it tells us a few verses later is its width is also the same. So in other words, the city, the heavenly Jerusalem is a cube. Right, you're like, you're like, I love that architecture. Right? Like, I was hoping you would say cube. No, why does that matter? Why does John tell us that? Here's why. Because in the temple in Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies, the center of the temple where God's presence dwelt, had that same shape and dimension. And John tells us in Revelation today that there is no temple in the city. Right, because God is the temple. That the New Jerusalem, the whole city is a temple, and it's where God dwells with us. Right, and Jesus says today in the gospel, if you love Him and you keep His words, that's not just going to happen when you die. That happens now. Right, that God will come and He will make His dwelling with you. Wow, that's so cool. Second small point before we end our first homily is that in the heavenly Jerusalem, there's 12 gates. And what names are on the 12 gates? Did you hear? The 12 tribes. I love it, you guys. I think you know I'm going to ask you questions so you listen to the readings. It's a good trick. Yeah, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then on the foundation stones are written something else. Did you catch that? The 12 apostles. Man, I love this church. I'm done. <laughs> well, why does that matter? There's a common mistake among Christians sometimes where we say Old Testament bad, New Testament good. That is not true. That is not true. God has one plan from the beginning of creation. And all the while, Israel was the gateway to the church. And those things come together in God. So cool. Okay, end of homily number one. Here we go, number two, which is the main course. Hopefully it's not undercooked. Okay. 
I don't know if this is heretical. I don't think so. Um, but I want to ask you to think about, do you have a favorite part of the Mass? Do you have a favorite part of the Mass? Um, I know, like some of you probably come and, you know, we start Mass and I'm like, let us acknowledge our sins. And you're like, yes. <laughs> I love this part. Right? And if you're married, you're like thinking about your spouse's sins. You're like, are you thinking of that? Right? Like, remember what you did last week? Right. Think about that. <laughs> Acknowledge your sin, sinner. I don't know if you have a fair part of the Mass. One of my favorite parts is something we can't do in the gym because of the fire code, but I just love it. When we get back into the new church and the light streams in and when I get to incense the altar, that's like heaven. I just love that. But today I want to talk about part of the Mass that comes from our readings, and that's why it's in the Mass. And it's part that is, is oftentimes misunderstood. And I want to talk today about the sign of peace. Now, I think there's the sign of peace, in my experience, is one of the most controversial parts of the Mass, if there is such a thing. And what I mean by that is, if you have a little bit more of like a traditional bent a lot of us don't, there's a, there's a distrust of the sign of peace. We don't like it. And you're like, I'm here at Mass. I'm here to pray. I want to I be united with God. And the sign of peace comes in you're like in the seventh mansion in perfect contemplation. You're like, I am perfectly united with God. And then someone next to you is like, peace be with you. And you give them that look like, don't touch me. <laughs> right, like I'm in prayer. Or there's some of you who could be on the opposite side. And by the way, I've been in both of these places in my life at different times. The other side of it might be something like, you know, Father Brian has been saying another slow Eucharistic prayer today. It's hot in the gym. I just want to go eat lunch. Um, and you're like kind of like falling asleep and you're like, oh yes, the sign of peace. And when I was like in high school and college, the sign of peace was like, where are the cute girls? And you're like, this is my favorite part of Mass. And the guy next to you is like, peace be with you. You're like, yeah, yeah, peace be with you. <laughs> right? And that happens, right? The other thing is that sometimes the sign of peace becomes the way that you and I just kind of say hi to people, right? And you just kind of look for your friends or the people around you, and you're just like, you're just kind of saying, hey, what's up? How's it going? Did you have a good week? One heresy I also want to leave you with, I don't know why. You know how we all have the things that just kind of drive us nuts? I will just tell you, this is really not that big a deal, but for some reason it drives me nuts. Every Catholic church in the United States, I swear, at the sign of peace, there's a certain number of you, no judgment. You're just kind of looking around for everyone you know, and you're just like, peace. Hey. Peace, you, Peace. And I don't know why, but I absolutely hate that. Like, and if you do it, I will kick you out of Lourdes. Uh, okay, so what, what is this about? What I want to invite you to today is that what happens today at the sign of peace and what happens at every mass at the sign of peace is something profoundly beautiful that once we dive into what Jesus has for us, I, th I hope and I pray that you'll love it. Because God has something really powerful for us in the sign of peace. Okay, so Jesus today, context. 
Context really matters. We're at, today's gospel happens at the Last Supper. That's where they're at. In John chapter 13, at the very end of the chapter, Judas leaves to betray Christ. And Jesus has told the apostles that he's going to die. Right, that the hour's here, he's going to die. So chapter 14 starts, in the very first line, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And this week on retreat, I was praying with this chapter in John, and I just, oh my goodness, I just can't imagine the apostles' hearts. Right, the one they love is about to die. And so twice in this chapter, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And today in our gospel that we heard, Jesus says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. And I want to break this open today because God has something beautiful and profound for us in the sign of peace. There's two kinds of peace I want to talk about today. We're going to spend most of our time on the first, the first kind, and that'll give rise to the second kind. But the second type of peace can only happen where there's the first kind. And Jesus gives us a hint today that there's something much greater than just the, hey, how you doing? I hope you have a good weekend with peace. Right? He says, not as the world gives do I give to you. There's a type of peace that Christ wants to give us, brothers and sisters, that's different. It's profound. Okay, so today's homily, I always think, full disclosure, that I should just... I don't have any, I've never had an original thought in my entire life. Everything's stolen. So today I'm just going to tell you who I stole from. So today's homily is sponsored by Origen and Augustine. Okay. So here's what those two writers say about this passage. Augustine in the fourth century gave a homily on our gospel today on Pentecost Sunday in the fourth century. I don't know what year exactly it was. And he preached about this and I'm stealing his homily. So Augustine, thank you. Here's what he says. Augustine says, the first kind of peace is not external, it's internal. And he points us to Romans chapter 7. So Romans 7, St. Paul says this. It's that famous chapter, by the way, where there's the Christian tongue twister. He says this, he says, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So then it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me, and you're like, I give up. What are you talking about? Here's what Romans 7 is about. Romans chapter 7, and you should go home today and you should read Romans 7 and 8. Romans 7 is about the Christian who has a divided heart. 
That's what Romans 7 is about. In other words, Romans 7 is about you and me. I love God. I really do. Jesus, I really love you. And I love our faith and I believe in it and I believe it's true and good and beautiful. And I also love worldly things. Right? I love comfort and pleasure and pride and a green lawn and whatever else. I have a divided heart. And what happens, this is the Christian life, is our desires, the things that we love, they come into conflict. So Paul goes on. I should have left my Bible open. Here we go. Paul goes on and he says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Is that not true? Just like that, right? Have you ever found it to be true? I know you have. In your life, when you want to do what is right and good, it's harder than you think. And so in my own life, I know, I'm like, God, I want to be someone who's selfless, right? I want to obey your commandments. I want to forgive my enemies. I want to not be motivated by pride and jealousy and lust. But there's a war going on inside of me. If you haven't, if, if, you, if that doesn't make sense to you, very honestly, you're probably not living the Christian life. No one becomes holy without a battle. No one. And so Augustine, in, this, in his homily that he gave on today's gospel, he says, the first kind of peace a person has only comes when they have surrendered their entire life to God. And there's no longer war inside of them. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not, not as the world gives do I give it. This is the peace that only comes from God. And it's no accident in that chapter in John 14, Jesus is talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And all through Paul's writings, the way that you and I, those, that dark part of us, our passions that want to take over. And they say, they say to you, yeah, you know, I know I should forgive this person and love them, but I'd rather just backbite and gossip and resent them. That part of you can only be overcome by the Spirit of God living inside of you. And that's what Romans chapter 8 is about. Do you want to have peace? Brothers and sisters, the greatest peace you can have, there is no greater peace than this. It's not an external peace, it's an interior peace. It's when my soul is no longer at war with itself. And it is right now. Because there's parts of my soul that are at war with the law of God that I love. So St. Paul says this, he says, and this is chapter 8, 
He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And what's the flesh? The flesh is that lower part of me. It's that part that's filled with lust and jealousy and hatred and pride. And that is all about me. And it's opposed to God's law. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, which Jesus promises in today's gospel, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The best peace on earth is the peace that can happen in your soul when you enthrone Christ as king. Right, Lord, when my heart is no longer divided, when my loves that are good even, right, we have lots of good loves in our life, but when all of my loves are obedient to you, then I have an interior peace which no one can take. Right, if everything else goes wrong externally, if people don't like me, right, if, if, I don't know, if the government decides to persecute the church, whatever else might go wrong, if that happens in my life, but if my soul is in harmony with God, I can do anything. And then we have the peace that St. Paul talks about in Philippians 3, that the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Origen says this, sponsor number two of today's homily. Origen says, within you is the battle you are to fight. The evil structure which must be torn down is within. Your enemy comes from your own heart. Right, peace means there's no longer war. War has been overcome. That's the kind of peace the world can't give. The world can make laws, it can have peace treaties, and it can stop external wars, maybe, for a time. The only peace that can come from God, right, or the peace that can only come from God, is the peace that sets your soul as it's supposed to be. One more line from Origen. He says, left to itself, I do not think human nature can do battle against angels, right? And he means here demons, right? Fallen angels. Left to itself, I don't think human nature could do battle against angels in heights and depths. But when it senses that the Lord is present and dwelling within it, when it's confident of God's help, your soul will say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? I love that line. And I know you all know this, right? There is no peace like the peace when your soul obeys God's commandments. Because then you are who you should be. There's nothing better than that. That's the main thing I want to invite you to today. Everything we do at Lord's, right? Like, what does it mean to have a great church? You know, and people always flatter me with their lies. They're like, oh, you're great things about Lord's. I'm like, you liar. I don't really say that. 
But everything we do here, working on our on preaching, the music, our programming, the community, why does it exist? For the kind of peace that Jesus only can give to our souls. If we don't do that, if I am not helping you do that, you should go somewhere else. If you're not making progress in that, if you're not taking steps to align your life with God, nothing we do here matters. And you really should. You should find another church. I wonder how many priests talk about this. What did Father Brian talk about today? He told us to leave. But that's why we do things here. And that's a good church. A church is not good because it has good music. A church is not good if homilies are good. A church is good if its people love God. That's what makes a church good. Okay, the second kind of piece. So you know church is in the round. This means yes. This means no. Or just stare at me. I grew up in one of those. And if, you, if you're normally like, used to going to a church like that, this is not meant to be a knock on any of those people or that church. I grew up in a church on the round. And I don't think we should build churches in the round because they're distracting. So when I grew up, like, going to Mass in my home parish, a lot of great people. I was with some folks from my home parish last night. Awesome place. But it's just so distracting, right? And you're always looking across to see other people, or you're worried that people are looking at you. You know, and it's just, it's just distracting. Why do people build churches in the round? Because of the second kind of peace that Christ talks about today. The second kind of peace that flows from the first is the peace that's about us. It's not just internal, it's about the peace of the church. And people build churches in the round because out of a good thought, they wanted to say, hey, we are the church. We're, not, we're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to be in communion with each other, and that's true. The one pushback I have, and the reason we shouldn't build churches in the round is because our community, our friendship, our life together as a church is not about the fact that we like each other. It's about the fact that we love him. Right? Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not a human peace. Not a human peace where we're friendly with each other. A peace that comes from God himself. But the second type of peace that's out there is the one that builds the church. And it flows from the first. Division and hatred, rivalries, jealousies in churches happen when you and I love the wrong things. When I love my pride and my ego and my vanity, when I'm attached to the wrong things, that creates conflict in the church. But when all of us love Christ, It creates a peace between us that Jesus says the whole world will recognize because there's nothing like it. So Augustine points us to Ephesians chapter 2. He says this. He says, you, but now you in Christ Jesus who were once far off, right? You were separated. Once where you were far off, You have been brought near in the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Right? There's that word again. He is our peace. 
who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. The church is supposed to be a place of unity and peace. And brothers and sisters, that's not easy. It flows from the first kind of peace. If you have a bunch of people who are filled with self-love and egoism and pride and jealousies and vanities, they cannot be at peace with one another. But if, if all of us in this church, if what makes us family really is that he is our first love, that's when we can love each other in a way the world doesn't know how to do. And Jesus says that to the apostles at the Last Supper. He says, all men will know that you are Christians because of your love for one another. So simple points, but I, I hope, for me, they were powerfully profound in my prayer this week. Today at Mass, when we have the sign of peace, and every time you do the sign of peace, the sign of peace is not a, hey, how was your week? When you say, peace be with you to the person next to you, you're not just kind of hoping they have a nice weekend or that they're healthy or whatever, or just saying, hi, how you been? Peace be with you. You are wishing them that their soul would be aligned with God, that it would not be at war with itself. And you're praying that the peace that comes from Christ would reign in our church. That's the kind of peace I hope for you. I do not necessarily wish, I mean, I do. I hope your life goes well and smooth and you don't have too much conflict. I do hope that, but I don't care that much. <laughs> I'm such a jerk, but I don't. I wish for you something far better. I wish for the peace of Christ to reign in your soul and in our church. Jesus, today, Lord, may my sin May my sin die. May all of our sin die so that we might find the joy of being in harmony with you. Lord, by the Spirit, may that war inside of our hearts and our souls, may that war be won. And may our passions that, that breed rebellion, Lord, may they be silenced that we might have that internal peace. And Jesus, bless our church. Bless Lords, bless the Archdiocese of Denver. Bless your church all across the world. Lord, that we can have a peace that the world cannot give, that peace that comes only from you.